Hey, it's Candia Raquel, founder of Centro de Poder. Welcome to the Sensual Sessions, the place to be to sense your fire and share your flame. So if you haven't subscribed already, please go to www.centraldepoder.com and get signed up for this wonderful podcast. So today we have a very special guest. This is Dr. Beverly. She's Dr. She, she has a fascinating story. She's a PhD in metaphysics. She's a, an author of the book Meditation, The Mystified, and she's the founder of Dancing Bear Enlightenment Academy. She has also an amazing podcast and summit. Welcome, Beverly. Such a pleasure to have you here. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you, Candia. So tell us, how did you become interested on the things that you can know that they exist for sure because you can experience them, such as pleasure, but you cannot like grasp them for sure, like 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 a cup. Like how did you get into hypnotherapy? Oh, hypnotherapy. Um Well, I was uh, in corporate America. This was decades ago. That's a long time ago. And uh, I was teaching classes. It was, uh, I, w I was in the IT department, but I also taught classes at the corporate level. And um, uh, they sent me to a class called Train the Trainer. Train the Trainer. So I went to a class to learn how to teach adults you know this is not teaching children this is how how do you as an adult you teach other adults and i found out about nlp neurolinguistic programming yes. so i looked around how to learn that and there was a hypnotherapy school and uh so in order to learn nlp i had to learn hypnotherapy and timeline therapy so i went to the school and i learned nlp and timeline therapy and nlp if you don't know what it is neurolinguistic programming and it's how words affect people and how to use words and how to anchor and there's a number of things with with nlp and i started using self hypnosis and i got certified but then the school went out of business and i thought well i don't want to say i graduated from a school it's gone and there was the Palo Alto School of Hypnotherapy in Palo Alto. I lived in Los Altos at the time. And I thought, well, I'll go to that school. And they said, well, you have to start over. So I said, okay. So I took all of their classes and I even got a master's in hypnotherapy from them. And I became certified as a medical hypnotherapist. So I started um, fix, fixing, first fixing myself because I had a lot of health issues. And then I started helping other people. And Then I, I learned meditation, and then I found out all this other stuff. But going back a little, something that I didn't tell you before, but when you said, how do you know things that aren't there when they are there? There's a veil, and I see through the veil, and I've seen through the veil since I was a small child. I see the beings around us. I talk to them telepathically. They talk to me. I can feel them. If I have a back, I guess, well, can you give me a back rub? They'll give me a back rub. <laughs> they're always touching me, teasing me. Uh, uh, they're fun. And when I looked at things as a small child, now I'm a child. I don't understand what I'm seeing. But to me, nothing looks solid. 
everything looked like it was moving. And if there was an earthquake, I could feel it. And I'd sit there listening to the news because back then, you know, we didn't even have transistor radios. I'm old. <laughs> and I'd listen to the radio, to the news. Where was the earthquake? Who are the, who are the people that need help? You know, because I'm just a little kid. I don't know. But as I got older, then I kind of moved away from that. But I could still see the beings, but I didn't know what it meant. But when I was 14, I read the Bible. I thought, what you know, because I was raised Southern Baptist, and I thought, why do people take one line out of the Bible and you're told what it means? Why don't they read the Bible like a book? Now, I'm a geek. I like reading books. I've been reading books forever. So I sat down, and I read the Bible cover to cover, and I went, this is horseshit. This is so full of lies. Those are aliens, not angels. Those are rocket ships, not bright lights. Why don't people get this? I mean, I saw the truth that's in the Bible as a teenager. I just knew it. But I put all that aside. I became an atheist. I threw the baby away with the bathwater. <laughs> and then later when I woke up, I went back and I read the Bible again. And then I realized I had read it like a child and took it literal. And if you take it literal, that's what you're doing. You're reading the Bible like a child. There's all kinds of hidden goodness in the Bible. Yes. And and that's when I started studying um, esoteric things. I studied um, things like the Hermetica and the Numo Elish and the Gilgamesh, uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh. And I studied the Vedic literature and really started studying where did all this come from? And then I started remembering past lives. So that's where all of this came from is in a way I knew. And even now, well, when I've had five near death experiences and when you start, I know when I'm going to die because you see through everything, you see the light. There's literally, you know, when people say I saw the light, that's literally what you start to see. Everything you see is emitting light. And um, now if I meditate for a long time, when I come back, I see the light. That's what I see is everything I see. There's something in there somewhere. None of this is real. People take everything so serious because they think it's real. <laughs> I tell people, enjoy the show. This is not real. This is a training ground for your soul. Get here, learn, enjoy the the ride because it's just a ride. We're we're on like a a, a really advanced roller coaster ride. We go up, we go down. We as we're going down, we feel weightless and we scream. And then as we go up, we start looking at the view. You know, that's what this life is about. And if you study the Kabbalah, they will tell you the purpose of life is to be happy. The purpose of life it doesn't mean to be happy. Bad thing, but the purpose of life is to be here to learn and be happy. That's the purpose of life. To learn and be happy. And mm -hmm. somehow we are sold into happiness. Like there's a line in a, I'm Mexican, but I know there is a line on a very important document in the U.S. that says that you are entitled to the pursuit of, happiness. of happiness. But yep. like very wisely, like to the pursuit. Mm -hmm. To the pursuit. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> it's not guaranteed. You yeah, have to work it's at not it. Guaranteed. And what is for sure is that you're going to pursue it. You're going to have to pursue it. Well, But you have to know the difference between the pursuit of happiness and the pursuit of gratification. Yes. It is not the pursuit of gratification, which is, you know, drinking drugs and sex yes. and whatever. That's not happiness. That's gratification. Yes. Happiness, for the most part, is from your relationships. 
Yes. And also that's where happiness the, comes from. Yeah. Relationships and religion has an etymological root of, of religare, like reunite, mm -hmm. reconnect, and relation, like re relinking. And mm -hmm. yeah, relations can take us back to what you said that nothing here is real not because nothing is solid because everything's moving because energy is is a flow of of relations relations of atoms molecules and relations with the, within people and the environment so we are not really solid nor, nor isolated and yeah so happiness is also on understanding that it's not not something that you can hold mm -hmm. on as an ob as as an object that is solid and and you and it's gonna be there no it's it's dynamic it's it's fluid it's it's relational so but then like if our purpose is to be happy here like how can we become more comfortable in understanding that is not something that you can force like you you can work hard and get a higher payment and a better car and etc but that doesn't necessarily apply to happiness and relations like you know how to find happiness t tell us please gratitude you live in gratitude and you know the sun i was telling you about my bedroom window and i look out i see the stars at night i see the sun in the morning i am grateful oh my god i got another day you mean you don't know when you're going to die <laughs> no yeah. ah the birds are singing the sun came out the sun may not always come out Something could happen. You know, it's happened in the past. There volcanoes go over, go off, and it covers the earth, and everything died. That's happened. It happened to the, the dinosaurs. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> That's what they tell us anyway. Um, so, you know, every time I have a roof over my head, not everybody does. I have food on my table. Not everybody does. I say a prayer of gratitude before I eat every time, even if I'm in a restaurant, which isn't very often. I can't afford to go out. But... <laughs> I'm always saying prayers of gratitude. And yeah. what I see, the biggest barrier to gratitude is the lack of forgiveness. Bam, the lack of forgiveness. People won't forgive. And, and it's like, well, I can't forget what he did. Well, you don't have to forget it, but you can forgive because not forgiving only hurts you. And that destroys your ability to be happy. So if you forgive and you just say, the divine... Consciousness, whatever you want to call that. Some people call it God, some, some creator, whatever, great spirit, whatever you call that. It's called the law of karma. They will get their lesson. You don't have to teach them a lesson by destroying your own happiness. Yeah. You, you, be happy. The yeah, world, yeah. They, they have a lesson to learn. And, you know, by hurting you, you learned what it feels like when someone does that to you. So now you won't do that to someone else. You know, remember the old, old do unto others that you would have them do unto you, the golden rule? Yeah, the golden yeah. rule. 
so like that, you have just shared with mm -hmm. us the, the formula of you live in gratitude and you're happy. And and you're happy. That's a lot like coming from Scorpio, Venus, conjunct Jup Jupiter. Because Scorpio is a sign that is like very rooted into feelings i get it because well we were for for the sensualist listening and watching we were having a little astrological chatter and dr beverly and i share a scorpionic planet called jupiter and a passion for mysticism and the occult and power and expansion and to hear stuff but scorpio It's also symbolically a sign of resentment and especially vengeance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's a great lesson, uh, listening forgiveness uh, after, like, if, if you like astrology, you can get a sense of Scorpio stuff. So about uh, forgiveness, yeah, it's definitely true that As long as you don't forgive someone, that wound is somehow still open. So in a way, it's keeping up to date the bound or binding or linkage with that person and that situation that happened in the past. So it's you so have to get away from them. That's yeah. true. Yeah. You have to you have to take care of yourself and get away from them. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah. But you don't have to carry that negative energy with you. Yeah. No. And it's something that keeps you from truly being present in the present because that grudge that you're holding is keeping you anchored to a past experience. Mm -hmm. And it's key that you say forgive but don't forget it's like okay there was a nocive real a bad relation that caused pain or abuse or whatever but if you forgive it's like it's it's even um like like kate moss a model said that success is the best revenge and i believe it but not a success of i'm gonna prove you wrong that i will su survive gloria gaynor but success in a way that that yes that happened i am not forgetting about it but in a way the one that carries the weight of dishonor is the other person and that's quite enough of a burden for someone else so let them have it <laughs> or the situation mm -hmm. have it and and forgive but don't forget and be happy and now what is steering my stomach is how about self-forgiveness like how can you forgive yourself yeah. from what you have done to yourself yeah Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's key for happiness and that's key for pleasure. Because I believe that especially we women 
think or we have been educated that we have to discern and therefore work hard to deserve pleasure. Mm. And as, as no. you, yeah. We, we recreate our childhood as adults unless we get some kind of help. And ev almost everybody needs some kind of help after they graduate. So I had a very, very abusive childhood. Uh, I won't even go into it. It was just, you know, you think of it, yeah. And so I ended up married to a very abusive, passive-aggressive man. And the last 10 years of the marriage... I knew I should get a divorce and I didn't and I didn't and I just like my parents didn't get divorced and I kept thinking why don't they get divorced they hate each other you know and I was in the same situation I recreated it and I finally finally now he didn't want the divorce I knew he was going to kill my daughter and I um I hid his gun and he kept breaking into the house trying to find his gun and and it took three years, and I finally found a crooked lawyer who told me how to get divorced. And we finally got divorced in spite of them. I won't go into the legal issues, but we, we managed to get around it so that I could get divorced in spite of him, even though he wouldn't sign the papers. I eventually got him to sign the papers with the promise of giving him the gun, and I unloaded it and put a trigger lock on it so he couldn't load it and kill me with it and got away from him and the divorce papers have a restraining order he can't come near me he can't come near our daughter so if you live in that kind of a situation and you stay with us i was married 20 years i should have gotten divorced 10 years sooner so for 10 years i was miserable and i look back on it i don't blame him for that that was me i stayed when i shouldn't have that was my problem so i don't you know, I had to forgive myself for being stupid because I kept getting messages. And that's why I was almost dying. That's why I had so many near-death experiences and got my butt kicked and got so sick because I was staying in a relationship that wasn't for me. I wasn't on my path. I wasn't doing what I came here to do. I got divorced and, oh, my God, I started healing and my life changed dramatically. And, I, you know, I was practically bankrupt. Um you know, I'm living in this dump of a house with sewage rolling off the roof into the driveway. And the next thing I know, I get promoted around my boss, reporting directly to the president. Wow! <laughs> executive. They, they, you know, his boss told, my boss's boss came to him and told him to tell me to apply for the job. And I says, well, I'm not qualified. I'm way down here. I'm like three down from the top. And you want me to report to the president? He says, do you want the job or not? I said, well, yeah. So I went to his boss, my boss's boss. And he says, you're to make an appointment with the president to be an interview. I said, okay. So I made an appointment prepared to be interviewed. I walked in and he said, how does, um, an 18% bonus a year and an $8,000 a year raise how sound to you. Now, here I am eating beans and popcorn, practically bankrupt, trying to raise my daughter. And this is handed to me on a golden platter. And I said, I'll take it. It wasn't an interview. They wanted me for the job. Wow. And I've never believed in the glass ceiling. So if you're a woman and you think there's a glass ceiling, that's wrong. You have to just be in the right place at the right time, you know, doing what you want. And you... I became an executive. There were only three women executives uh, in the company, and I was now one of them.
So, you know, my husband, I knew it was him calling. This was before we had caller ID and all that kind of stuff. And before we had cell phones, I've been around a while. And every Sunday at nine o'clock, the phone would ring. I'd pick it up and there would be nothing there. It was him. He kept calling me, but he knew he couldn't come near me. And um, I just learned to pull all the cords. If you know what cords are, I pulled all the cords and I'd send them back with love. Yes. And I'd say, we're no longer together. We will never be together again. And I just kept sending him love and forgiveness. And I kept forgiving myself. And my life turned around. And I had a great life after that. That's when I started studying metaphysics and, and everything. But I did it by sending love and, and forgiving myself. Because it's not his fault I stayed with him 20 years. It's my fault. I was unhappy. I should have left. Your life made a radical shift after you began forgiving him the abuser for his abuse and forgiving you for enabling it which is so hard mm-hmm. it's it's so hard to step out of really being a victim and then step out of being victim of your own re-victimizing and then on top of being the victim of the abuser being your own victim for staying there now you have to be the victim of your self-judgment and punishment punishments and unforgiveness. do it alone i spent four years working with a therapist we went as far as we could go and then i worked with a regression therapist because i had no happy memories of my childhood and i remember everything you know i'm uh I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse to be able to remember everything, but I was either daydreaming in the future or living in the past. I wasn't in the moment. Yes. And we went back to when I was conceived and rescripted my entire life all the way forward to then. And that's what really changed things. The therapy got me to understand I was codependent. He was an abusive. He was passive aggressive. We were both narcissistic. So I had to face some of my own issues, you know, why was I narcissistic and, you know, what was my role in that relationship and and heal all of that. And then with the regression therapy, we were able to rescript and reframe my entire life so that what I saw as events in my life were teaching lessons. What did I learn from that? Not, oh, I'm this victim. No, I'm no longer a victim. It was a, it was something I needed to learn, and I, I learned it, and now I can help others who are going through those kind of lessons to move through it and learn to forgive. So I'm a licensed acupuncturist, and a lot of times when people are sick, it's because they've got something that they're triggered on in their past that they need to let go. Yes. And so I'm able to zero in on that with them and help them move past it. Zero in in the precise spot with a needle yeah because experiences become body we 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 crease if nothing is solid and all is like movable we cling into illusions of solidity that are hurtful Mm -hmm. and like why would you if there's so much there for you like the like the bliss of being alive it's 
It's already. Can you hear the background noise? A little bit. What is okay. it? Okay. It's really loud for me, so hopefully it's not too loud for you. The gardeners are here with their blowers. Oh, no, I, I, I thought something like birds singing or what. No, okay. no. As long as it's not too loud for you. I have a, a noise-canceling microphone, so maybe it's canceling out. It's just real loud for me. Oh, no, <laughs> don't worry. Okay. Yeah, you know, that noise, it's like holding on to the past that... Things can be like really great already in your life, but you're not tapping into them because you are immersed into that noise. So a nice image provided by Dr. Beverly here is like, get a noise canceling system, like forgiveness, like don't forget, like, have your ar archives in order so you don't, like, <laughs> stumble with the same rock again. But, yeah. like, you know, there's also a lesson of humility. Gratitude is also a lesson of humility mm -hmm. because there are things to be proud of, a lot of things that have a lot of merit, but there are so much beauty in existence that is humbling like i mean simply breathing simply sensing it's so com it's so complex what you already do metabolically like controlling your heartbeat and your brain frequencies and your liver enzyme production it's like so utterly complex beyond your cognitive mind that it it's like Really? Can I tell you a story? <laughs> yes, that is a story. I knew I couldn't control my heart rate and my blood pressure. And tell I went up. to the doctors. I used to go to the doctors a lot because I was always sick, you know, a long time ago. <clears throat> and I thought, oh, I better lower my blood pressure and my heart rate because, they're, you know, the nurse is going to take put the cuff on, you know. So they don't panic. So I just lowered my blood pressure and my heart rate. And she couldn't find my blood pressure she said oh the cuff is broken let me get another one and she left the room she came back and she did another one and she said oh this cuff is broken too and I went, okay we better make the blood pressure normal and she came in and she says well good this one works yeah your blood pressure is normal so, yeah yeah yes you have complete control over your body before the nurse starts thinking that you're a vampire or that she's crazy or or unable to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, so I, I didn't do that again. Well, so uh, Dr. Beverly has just corrected us. Like, you can actually control your heart rate and you control your every part of your body, and your negative thoughts are what make you sick. You can control everything, every, every aspect of your, your body. body, and your There's... negative emotions are what makes you sick. Um, there, I have to look up the guy's name. There's a llama that they tested. They literally put him underwater for two hours with no breathing apparatus. And they locked him in a room for two weeks without food. And he survived it because he breathes in and out through his chakras. You can bring the energy in through your energy centers. Now, I'm not at that level. I've only learned how to breathe through my heart. <laughs> 
And the first time I did that, it scared the crap out of me because I realized I wasn't breathing because you can feel the air going through and there was no air going through it. I panicked and I, I went, oh, you can breathe anytime you want, Beverly. Don't be afraid. So um, I've only gotten to the point where I can get energy in through my heart chakra. But eventually, if you keep working on it, you can bring energy in through all of your chakras. They're unlimited energy all around us. It's called aether. And you bring it into your toroidal energy field. And you always, you have this, if you don't know what a toroid is, look it up. Everything has a toroid field. The earth has a toroid field. Everything, all humans, that's your Curlian photography is taking a picture of your toroidal field called uh in the aether so there's no empty space there's everything is filled up and my dog is poking me <laughs> it's okay gentle he's toroidal self yeah so you know once you realize that you are part of the universe we're not separate we're just a consciousness using this physical body at a certain vibration and eventually, this is what ascension is about. You go to higher vibrations where you don't necessarily have a physical body, depending on whether you're at fourth density or fifth or sixth or seventh. Uh, when I see beings at fourth or fifth density, they're kind of humanoid looking. Um, and then when you get to sixth and seventh density, they're balls of conscious light. So you just become a ball of conscious light. And eventually... The, these balls come together and we become a collective. And so you look at earth or you look at a sun, those are collectives. Um, and that's the, the, what the energy of Aquarius that we're moving into the Aquarian age is that's what about relationships and becoming collectives. Yeah. And those collectives. So when you reincarnate, you reincarnate with the same family structure Oh, maybe, you know, my mother was my daughter one time or whatever. So like my daughter in this life was my best friend in a different life. And we had some old karma we needed to work out. So and I meet people all the time who we recognize each other from a past life. Now, sometimes I recognize them. And at first I say, oh, I, I remember you. And I stopped doing that because people thought I was crazy or really weird because they didn't <laughs> know who I was. So now I wait for other people to say something first. But I've actually had people see my picture on the Internet or whatever, and they'll go, I know her. And they'll contact me. And it's like two adults that hadn't seen each other since kindergarten. And we talk about that life that we remember together. And that's a lot of fun. One of my best friends, who, by the way, is an Aquarius like you, Korean son. And we were together in the 1700s in England. So we remember each other. Um, so, you know, when you start remembering your past lives and the people in your life, you start to realize just a repeating cycle for us to learn. And as soon as we learn what we need to know and we form the right collective of like-minded people, and then we go to the next level. And that's what we're about to do. Some people are going to get left behind, unfortunately. They haven't, they they just haven't opened their hearts. You have to leave in the moment and you have to open your heart. You have to forgive. You have to live in joy and gratitude. And those are the people that are going to be moving on. Yeah, open the heart and forgive. That that's like a great, great, great homework. And how can we feel safe after difficult situations to open up to experiencing pleasure 
because I, I, I made a connection with gratitude because gratitude is also this blooming, like a blooming and a welcoming that is humble, but, but it's not like, like the humble when you are like in shame or humiliated, but it's not at all. It's like a splendorous humbleness that is like the goes hand in hand with an innate sense of abundance that it's it has a certain movement and quality that is voluptuous, creative, life bringing, life bringing, sensual that can also turn into sexual. Like pleasure for me has like this this voluptuousness that is very close to gratitude, but. For me, and as far as I know, it takes like like a sense of safety and trust that is so hard to tap into when you have gone through a, abuse, hardships, you're still holding rodges, you're on the way, like do you have like some some idea how could we like what well, two, two things you have to do yes. one is people have to earn your trust a lot mm -hmm. of times we immediately trust someone because we don't know anything about them yes. you can't trust everybody but the other thing is you have to look feel now everybody's different some people will see their aura some people will feel their energy i'm an empath i feel everything and I have an inner knowing. I just know. Yeah. And so I'll I'll look at someone and I'll go, is what kind of person is this? And I'll know how far I can trust them. You can never trust anyone 100% because everybody's here for themselves. You have to be. If you don't take care of you, who will? So you have to know how far can you trust them? What does this person need? What are their goals? Are they in alignment? Is this short-term relationship, long-term relationship? How deep should the relationship go? And then trust your guidance. You get, you, you, we're all telepathic. People don't realize that you're constantly transmitting. Everybody transmits 24-7. What are you transmitting? Because whatever you're transmitting, that's the law of attraction. That's what's coming back at you. So if you're transmitting, I'm an alcoholic, and you walk into a room full of people, the person across the room who's also an alcoholic is going to be shiny to you, and you're going to go like this. You're going to be like, bonk, right to each other. If you're a drug addict, same thing. You're going to just be attracted. But if you're a good person, now you have to be careful because the dark likes the light. Yes. The dark can only shine in the light. Yes. So you're going to attract dark as well. You have to love them and let them be. Don't be judgmental. Don't criticize. Just say, okay, you know, there's a, a little bit of a barrier here. I'm not going to let you in, but I'm not going to hurt you either. And that's hard because, you know, we can feel that this guy, maybe he, he abuses women or what have you. And there's a lot of men like that out there. Unfortunately, there's more than we want to count. And, um, Instead, you have to trust the universe to bring to you the person that's appropriate. 
Now, I listened to a, a Vedic astrologer, numerologist. She's also a Vedic astrologer, but a numerologist. And she talked about your personal year. And um, if you don't know what your personal year is, you need to look it up in numerology. We don't have time here for me to teach you. But I sat down and I she went through all the meanings of one through nine. So you have nine personal years. And I put the year down for, you know, for the last like, 30, 40, well, I, I think I went back to the 1970s. So I went all the way back to the 1970s. When was I a one? When was I a two? When was I a three? And she says, most people will find their love in a three year and get married in a four year. Guess what? I got married in a four year. I mean, all the things she said that you would do, you would do in that year. And so if you're in a year where you're supposed to be resting and it's not a good year for relationship, you should be going within and you meet somebody, you don't want to get too close in that year because that's not going to be a good. And there are years like that where you'll meet someone and they're not going to be good for you. So understanding that basic numerology, what personal year are you in? What actual year? Like we're in a, a six year and we're going into a seven. Um, what personal year is the other person is? Now, one of the things that I do, I do tarot readings. So, you know, if I go out with somebody, I haven't dated in 30 years. I stopped dating a long time ago. I can't find anybody that matches my energy. But when I was dating, I would say, can I do a tarot reading? Well, this one guy did a tarot reading. I says, oh, you have someone else you're dating. That was our last date. <laughs> he had two girlfriends. So I do tarot readings, I get their birthday, I do their astrology, I do their numerology, and now I would do their human design. And that tells me everything I need to know about this person. And then I look, is that compatible with me? Not they're a bad person, not that there isn't someone perfect for them, but is this person the right person for me? Should we be together? And I meditate on it, and I ask my helpers, and I do my own little tarot readings. And... um and based on that, I've been told for a while I needed to be celibate. So for 30 years now, I've been celibate. Um, but I think that's going to change because I'm being told something's going to come into my life. Whether that involves more or not, I don't know. But yes. I'm going to be meeting somebody. And that's in my chart. It's in my numerology. It's yes. in. <laughs> so yes. I just look at that energy and say, what is the energy I'm in? Like, if it's a bad time to travel, I don't travel. If it's a good time to travel, I may or may not travel, but I know that if it's a bad time to travel, I'm not going to travel then. So that's how I use tarot readings and astrology and all of that is based on the energy of the time. And I work with the energy. I don't fight it. Work so, with the energy. Don't fight it. Yeah, you work with the energy. You don't fight it. You say, okay, that's what's going on right now. Okay, Saturn and Capricorn. Okay, everybody, you're going to have 2020 lockdown. Saturn and Capricorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Conjunct Pluto. Enjoy the ride because it's not going to be fun. But guess what? Saturn's leaving Capricorn. Yeah, of course, it was nice enough to go retrograde back in. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Saturn. Um, and now we have Pluto there, of course. So everybody's going through crap. I mean, if you think you're going through crap, guess what? You are not alone. The whole world, <laughs> the world is going through no, crap. No one survived this unscathed. Uh, not even the billionaires. Even the billionaires have had a rough time. So um, all you can do is not take it as gospel, but work with the energy. Work and with the energy. Ask for your guidance. You know, is am I supposed to be with this person? No, because I've had several men ask me to marry him, and I, I said no. 
I've had patients hit on me. They didn't get to be my patient anymore. Goodbye. <laughs> come back. <laughs> I don't want to be hit on by my patients, and I'm not going to date a patient. Um, but um, Listen, yeah, listening to the energy, like because one challenge, at least for me as a people pleaser, is that some sometimes I bypass my self knowledge to to please the other person like ah you're saying that i know it's wrong but i am yeah so it's it's like taking ownership on there she is <laughs> you froze <laughs> I, I, I suppose, but I, I, I am back live and kicking. So yeah, I, I was telling you that listening and trusting the energy, not making a spiritual bypass on yourself, even if you are a people pleaser in recovery as me, like turn into what you are feeling. Even if if you're gonna face rejection from the other person. And that's that's a lesson. That's that's a practice for for being safe and being well. Again. Here we I, I can hello. hello, I can hear you and see you. Oh, there, now you're unfrozen. Okay, yeah. Um, I forgot my train of thought. Um, uh, sometimes you have to be the one to draw the line because the other person can't. Yes. And being in a relationship for the sake of being in a relationship is bad for both of you because now you're not available when the right person comes along. So if you're not with somebody, there's a reason why you're not re with somebody. It could be you need to heal, or it could be the person you're supposed to be with needs to heal, or it could be. down the the chatter the consciousness and listen to your subconsciousness because that's your soul coming through and it isn't just your soul it's the souls around you and if you don't understand that go around animals like a horse especially horses and elephants the big animals they feel with their heart they think with their heart not their brain they think um, and they will stay away from you if you have bad energy same with dogs don't trust anybody that a dog doesn't like. <laughs> Don't a trust anybody from you. that a dog doesn't like. They, that's exactly. the thinking with your heart. Could, could yeah. you share with us a little practice meditation or something to get in touch with feeling and thinking with our heart? Hello. 
There you are. Okay, you froze again. You yeah. keep freezing. <laughs> I was asking, do you want me to do a guided meditation or do you want me to just tell people what they need to do? Anything that that you feel it's better intuitively for this moment. Maybe two or five minutes. Well, I I can sort of... Uh, okay. I do a live weekly guided meditation every Thursday night on my YouTube channel. So if people want to do one live with the music and everything, they can go there. So I'll just sort of tune in to a process that people can for meditation you can go into a, a tai chi pose or a qigong pose you can go into a yoga pose those are all forms for meditation you have to do what works best for you some people can't sit still don't sit stand if you're really antsy walk just do it purposely be in the moment you have to be in the moment and you have to quiet your mind and listen to what your soul has to tell you so that's the first thing is um Sit, stand, walk, whatever is going to work best for you. Laying down, I don't recommend because you fall asleep unless you know how to lay down and you're going to do a long journey. Now, I have learned to sit up and do five-hour meditations. I can do that sitting up and my head doesn't flop over and I, I know how to take care of myself. But until you're at that level, you're going to have to lay down if you want to do a five-hour meditation. So you have to be comfortable, number one. And number two, you have to work at your energy level. Are you high energy or low energy? If you're low energy, sit. If you're really low energy, lay down. If you're high energy, stand. If you're really high energy, walk uh, or hold a pose or do a Tai Chi meditation or something. Tai Chi is a moving meditation. So that's the first thing. Then the second thing is I tell people to go into their inner space. So what does that mean? That means first you put your body into a relaxed state. So you can use self-hypnosis for this. You can just start with your toes. I relax my toes. I relax my feet. I relax my calves, my thighs, and just very slowly. And you'll feel this energy coming up the body. And it just keeps, and you'll feel that part of your body going to sleep. You can use this technique when you can't sleep at night and you want to go to sleep, hypnotize yourself into sleep. You know, you go up the body, up the fingers and up into your mind. And then you just take all the chatter in your mind and all the negativity and worries and you set them aside. You say, I'll come back to you later and set them aside. So when I say go into your inner space, so that's what you can think. Now it helps if you meditate at the same time every day, whether it's once or twice a day, and, and you have a ritual, maybe you light a candle, maybe you hold certain crystals. I have all kinds of crystals around me here. <laughs> so I have I have meditation crystals set up all over the house. If I feel like, oh, I need to meditate on this, boom, I just sit down and I go meditate. I'm set up all over the place. Um, and so that's the second. First, you get your posture right, whether it's standing, sitting, walking, whatever. Then you have to have your ritual and relaxing the body, relaxing the mind. Sometimes I tell people if you have a lot of chatter and a lot of worry, put it in a bottle and set it up on a shelf and tell it you'll come back later. 
And afterwards, you can pull it back down and go back into worry. Worry just makes you sick and it manifests the worry. So worry, I don't recommend. That's living in the future. And living in the past is fretting over something somebody did to you a long time ago and it's past. Let it go. Be in the moment. And that helps when you're meditating, to be in the moment. The more you do this, the deeper you go. So there, there's not enough time to go into deepness and all of that kind of stuff. But you will go into deeper and deeper meditations every time you do this. You will start to become a lucid dreamer. You will start remembering your dreams. Our souls are busy at night. Our body is doing repair work. The body needs to sleep. It needs to repair the brain, repair the heart, repair the liver. The liver does all kinds of work at night. That's why you need to leave your body alone. And we leave our bodies. We go all over the place at night. <laughs> I mean, we're not even there. The body has its own energy and it takes care of itself. And we're off doing things. We get trained. We have people coming to us. We talk to people. And if you don't have enough protection, women can actually get raped in their sleep. Have you ever woken up and you thought, oh, my God, that was a terrible night. And you don't know why. You probably had someone rape you. That happens. Um, you have to have protection. So you want to put protection on at night. And you always want to have protection. That's why every time I work with someone, the first thing I do is give them a power animal. Here's your power animal. They will protect you because power you need animal. to have protection no matter what you're doing, even at night when you're dreaming. Um, so uh -huh. then you just go in and now your job is to listen. Now, some people have to have what is known as an anchor in order to meditate. There are many things to use as an anchor. You can use a mantra, like Om is an easy one. Um, you can use guided imagery. So sometimes, you know, Wayne Dyer and some famous people all have these guided meditations you can buy and listen, and they take you on the meditation. Um, you can just play music. You go on YouTube. Do you know how many channels there are with unbelievably awesome meditation music i mean they're just absolutely fantastic and i listened to them in fact <laughs> when you called i was listening to shamanic drumming <laughs> i was meditating to some shamanic drums on youtube so you know that's another option um so find an anchor now there's a a, a process called vipassana where vipassana. it's breath people who teach breath meditation so that's another meditation and you can start with breathing in four hold for one breathing out for four hold for one four is your count whatever four is for you and eventually you can increase that number but you just do in pause out pause in the reason you want to pause is you don't want in and out going on in your brachial channel at the same time so you want to stop the breath so you don't have this conflict of air coming and going and it's just for a second so it's just like Okay, you know, and move on. And you do that. Now, when I first started meditating, I would meditate. One of the times I meditated was in the morning and I'd have to go to work. And one day I was meditating. I'm supposed to meditate 20 minutes. So I started out 20 minutes twice a day. You know, that's a standard. And I meditated 45 minutes. And I went, oh no, I can't, I can't handle that. Well, if you've ever meditated, and you set an alarm, this is a terrible way to come out of meditation. You need to come back slowly or you'll get a headache. So I thought, how am I going to meditate just 20 minutes? And I went, well, I've got all these beings around me. Let me know when 20 minutes is up. Sure enough. So now I tell them 
how long I want to meditate. Okay, I've got an hour, I've got a half hour, I got 10 minutes, I got five minutes. Um, you know, if I if I'm waiting for something, I do a meditation. I just say, okay, I've got five minutes. Let me do it. And then you come right back out of it. So that's how easy it is. <laughs> that's that's how easy it is and how practical. And if if we want to tap into one of your guided meditations, how can we connect? Do you have like... Well, um, yeah, well, I have an app and I'm putting my meditations in the app. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm behind in updating my app because I didn't have access to it for like eight months. So now I'm trying to play catch up. But I have a YouTube channel. Um, it's the Dancing Bear Enlightenment Academy Holistic Transformation on YouTube and on Apple, Spotify, Amazon. I don't know who else. Simplecast. Everywhere. Um, it's Holistic Transformation that you would look for. If you go to my Dancing Bear Enlightenment Academy.com, it'll have a link to the podcast. Or if you go youtube.com forward slash at DB Enlightenment Academy. So DB for Dancing Bear. I didn't want it was too uh -huh. long to spell out. So DB Enlightenment Academy. And that'll get you. And it's every Thursday night at five o'clock Mountain Standard Time. Now I'm in Arizona. So if you're listening to this in the winter, I'm on Mountain Standard Time. We don't have day savings. So if you're listening to it in the summer when everyone's on daylight savings, I'm the same as Pacific time because we don't have daylight savings. It's easier just to tell people Pacific time. Uh, and you can listen to it live. But it's, it's and, a good hour for the New Yorkers to connect. Yeah, I gear it towards whatever is going on at that time. Like... When they had the the Venus, we just went through in November this Venus shift, uh, Venus energy shift. So I did a meditation on that. Um, when we had the Lion's Gate uh, in eight eight, uh, yeah. yeah, I did a meditation on that. So if there's some astrological event or a political event, like for Thanksgiving, I did one on thankfulness, gratefulness, and forgiveness. So I try to, and at the end of the year, every year I do one on um, letting go of the past year and manifesting what you want for the new year, which I feel is better than setting resolutions that you're going to ignore and not uh, accomplish, yes. but rather visualize the future you want to create. Yeah, that's that's the one that we want to get into, getting ready for the New Year. So go www.dancingbearenlightenmentacademy.com or go to Dr. Beverly YouTube channel that is just slash and DB for Dancing Bear, DB Enlightenment Academy every Thursday at 5 p.m. Arizona Mountain Time. And remember to check the time difference if it's winter or summer. Thank you so much. Dr. Beverly, I'm I'm sure this episode is going to be interesting and extremely helpful for the sensualists because happiness matters. It's important to learn to forgive and it's important to be safe and to have and apply the tools that you gently shared with us in these sessions because these are tools for life. I really appreciate your generosity, Beverly. So happy. 
Well, it was great to be here, and I'm really glad we connected. I'm also very glad we connected. So, dear essentialist, remember to take the time to meditate, to listen, to feel yourself. So you get in touch with your fire. And that way you will be able to go on, do your things and share the flame. And if you haven't subscribed already to the Essential Sessions podcast, go to www.centraldepoder.com and get yourself signed up to get these episodes delivered weekly on your email. Until then, take care. See you next time.